Hey, what's up, guys? New episode of Eastman's Elevated here. So this week on the podcast, I have my friend Colton Conrad on. So Colton, um, man, he's just a really cool guy. I, I met him through social media, and, and then we kind of talked a couple times and invited him on the podcast. Um, he just really lives life to the fullest. The guy's always fishing or hunting, and, and, and he just really loves elk hunting and spends all his time in the mountains and, and has since a young age. Um, so he's just a, a wealth of knowledge, and he's got a great attitude on Western hunting, um, just real positive. And so I've really enjoyed getting to meet him and, and really enjoyed our conversation on the podcast. Um, today's sponsor is Everly Stock Packs. Um, so I used Everly Stock last year, and I was impressed with how they pack the weight. I used their mainframe pack, um, which is a pack frame, and then I used um, their dry bag that zips right on that. So it's a real minimalist setup. It doesn't have a, a bunch of extra pockets where I can't fit anything. It's just one main bag hooked to the frame. It's a dry bag, so nothing gets wet. Um, I used it to pack out my elk last year and, and a mule deer last year out of the Wyoming backcountry and worked really well for me. So Everly Stock Packs, thanks for sponsoring the podcast. Um, so over there at Eastman's, uh, we've got the new issue of the Eastman's Hunting Journal coming out. So this is a big one for us, guys. This is our elk issue. Um, so a bunch of really cool stories in there. And then I wrote a story in there about high-pressure bulls, and, and it's in the Hunting Journal magazine. So it's kind of about like late-season rifle hunting bulls. And, and I've had this article you know, rolling around in my head for a long time now. Um, I cut my teeth hunting late-season bulls you know, here in Montana in, in high-pressure situations like general tag or general units. And so um, this one really hit home for me, and I, I was – I was really pleased with the way it came out and and the way it was written. I just some really good tips and tactics in there, and I was super passionate. I got a lot of my experience when I was younger hunting rifle for bulls high pressure. So that was a fun one to write, and just a bunch of really good articles in there, guys. So so make sure you check that out. New issue at Eastman's Hunting Journal. Um, and with that, let's get this thing rolling. Um, Colton Conrad, Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. All right, so I'm live with Colton here on Eastman's Elevated. How are you, Colton? Doing good, Brian. Good. Well, um, I've had a good time getting to know you. We've talked quite a few times trying to get our, our dates right to record a podcast here. Uh, you came down with an illness there for a little bit, huh? Yeah, dude, I'm pretty sure I had the, the swine flu or whatever. It was pretty gnarly. <laughs> Boy, I'd say, yeah, it sounds like you were pretty sick, but all uh, recouped and recovered now, huh? Yep. And then, of course, you know, I get the mountain bike out every day and we're just getting hammered over here with weather. We had we had like four or five inches of standing hail. Looked like a snowstorm. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that makes it tough to get out and get around. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. Good for you getting your lungs back underneath you after recovering from that cold and keeping in shape. huh? Yeah, buddy. Mm-hmm. Right on. Well, yeah, I've really enjoyed getting to know you, and then I really enjoy your social media. You've got some great posts on there. You're always going for it. Oh, well, thanks, man. Yeah, sometimes uh, the Elk Pimp can be a controversial follow, but yeah, just living every day to the fullest, man, and and just getting out as much as I can. I kind of structured my whole life or restructured it, if you will, to get back into the west slope of Colorado where I grew up and uh get back into the mountains as much as i can so i'm just loving life buddy oh good for you i love to hear that i love when um 
guys are getting the most out of life and spending as much time doing what they enjoy as they can. And you've definitely done that. And it's great to hear that you've structured your life where you move back. Uh, so you must move back to the West Slope of Colorado, like where there's less population. Is that the deal? Yeah, there's 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 less people. I, I went to school in a well, so I was hunting and fly fishing guiding and uh, saving up money. I started doing fly fishing guiding when I was around 15 at a Three Forks Ranch. Okay. And uh, I just always put money away, and uh, I don't know. I was pretty much planning on living the dirtbag lifestyle, you know, pretty much permanently. But then the economy kind of shit the bed in 2009, if you will, mm-hmm. and. I lost a lot of my return clientele at the ranch and they're not going to give a bunch of days to the, to the young buck when a lot of these guys are supporting their families. So that kind of made my determination of heading off to college. <laughs> it so, made the decision for you. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Headed up to CSU, got a degree in uh, construction management and that put a little damper on my, my hunting, but I still got out and, and, uh, still got elk i pretty much have gotten an elk every year since i was 12 but that that includes getting you know a a meat cow you always got to have the backup meat cow in there so still getting out but just just super super broke you know it was rough but um yeah i worked in denver for a little bit a couple years there and got a really awesome opportunity to get back up into the mountains and uh here I am, loving life again. Oh, good for you. Well, and you you have so many things that you enjoy. Like I say, I always see you fly fishing, mountain biking, hiking the mountains, but it seems like you live for elk hunting. You love elk hunting elk, isn't that right? Oh, man. Yeah. That yeah, the whole elk hunting thing has been my sole focus probably since oh, Brian, I bet you my first real experience was with my dad when I was I think 10 or so and and he took me up into his spot where he archery elk hunted and we were sitting up. I still remember like, like it was yesterday. We're sitting up overlooking this drainage down below and a couple bulls came out and were bugling at each other. And that was the first time I ever heard it. And it was just, my dad will probably tell you that he regrets taking me maybe because <laughs> yeah. Cause you're I mean, so crazy about it now. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it's healthy or not, but. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm yeah, I'm I'm pretty much obsessed. I mean, I I pretty I I think oh, I don't know, probably when I turned shot my first elk with a bow when I was 14 and then got another one the next year when I was 15 and then started going in if if my my dad was my hunting partner, but if he couldn't make it, I started going in solo when I was 16 and uh I didn't have my driver's license on one of my one of my solo trips and parents were out of town, but the truck was there. And so, you know, I I grew up in northwest Colorado. It's way small. So I was like, well, I'm just going to take the chance and and head it out on adventure. And it was it was an interesting experience for such a young lad. Uh, I was pretty terrified. (laughs) Oh, that's what I, that's what I imagined too when you were saying it, like 16 by yourself in the mountains, like in, in hunting by yourself, like there is a, a bit of fear that comes in. And I think it comes in with all of us just trying to get comfortable with the woods. Oh, for sure. And then, yeah, when I was 16, it was all hunky dory. I got into the elk that night and then, you know, it got dark on me and the elk were between me and camp. 
and I was going back and forth with what I should do, and I'm sitting in the dark, and finally I panicked, and I didn't have a red lens, and I turned on my my flashlight, and elk were just running everywhere. It was a stampede of elk. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, so I spooked out all the elk that were in my spot and uh, got back and was sleeping in a little bivy sack because I had read Cameron Haynes' book, and I'm like, I need to be ultralight but carry two backpacks of you know, a backpacking in pack and a day pack and sleep in a bivy sack. So there was some learning curves there for sure and didn't get much sleep, but it was all in good fun. <laughs> well, yeah, um, it's funny the mistakes we make along the way. Experience is the best teacher. Uh, it's so funny, bring in two packs, but yet you can't bring in a tent. You got to bring in your bivy sack. <laughs> oh, yeah, I look like I look like Jed Clampett going in there with a backpack hanging off of a backpack and Oh, man. Yeah, the the learning curve for me was rough. <laughs> yeah, well, I think for all of us, too. I remember my first couple backpacking hunts, and I used to go with my family back in the Cascades, but when I got to Montana, that's how I was going to kill elk. I was going to backpack. Um, it's tough to get anywhere when your backpack weighs 80 pounds full of eggs and bacon and just all <laughs> this stuff I didn't need, you know. It was, it was crazy, but, uh, yeah, I could hardly even make it into where I wanted to camp, um, but barely made it in there. I think I had guys passing my camp in the morning because I was only a couple miles back but uh, I had bacon and eggs for breakfast anyways <laughs> that's fat and happy dude that's all <laughs> right um, oh. but yeah that hunting solo is such a, a tough thing to overcome and I think it takes years and I still even to this day when it gets dark I mean there's a bit of fear that creeps in like I, it's definitely something you overcome and definitely the adventure far outweighs, you know, that being terrorized for that little bit at night before you can get to sleep or you're hearing noises. Um, but, but hunting solo is this specialized deal where it takes a, a good strong mindset when you're, when you're going into a place, doesn't it? Oh, bro. I, I don't care what anybody says or how tough they think they are. Solo hunting is no joke physically is one thing but mentally is just a whole nother limit that you have to you have to overcome when you've been in there you know for anywhere from three to four days and you haven't seen an animal to just being lonely to you know lightning i mean you you name it i mean it being in there solo is is just getting down to the molecular level of your own self and I think, honestly, for me, you know, with sports and everything else growing up, parents always push the sports on me. And I think, honestly, the the hunting is what taught me more about myself and my work ethic. Plus, it's the reason why I go to work is to be able to afford to, the gear and to go hunting. So, <laughs> but I I truly believe that the 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 hunting in the in the backcountry is you know that's taught me more about myself than than anything. Oh, it does. And in having a partner and somebody to go with, there's an enjoyment in sharing the experience. And, and you're a little bit tougher with somebody else. You know, you're able to kind of motivate each other and you don't want to let your hunting partner down. And, but, but hunting solo is a different deal. And I can't tell you how many times, like you say, three, four days into it, I haven't seen an elk. I haven't seen a deer, whatever the case. It's really easy to throw in the towel, hike back down to the truck and be to your house. But then you regret it for the next, 
handful of days or even the next year because you gave in early, you know. And so you got to teach yourself that toughness that however many days you plan to go, that's how many days you're going to plan to you that's how many days you're going to go. And even if you got to relocate, maybe you got to come out to the truck and go to a different trailhead, but if you set aside 8 days from work, you've worked so hard all year long to go for those 8 days. You got to go for those 8 days and go as hard as you can and leave it all on the field. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes that's tough. And I, I, I am blessed, you know, living so close to the mountains that if, you know, for elk, it's different for mule deer, but if the elk aren't fully in the rut, most of the time they're pretty lenient with me coming back to work and then delaying my vacation. But, you know, c- coming back to work and being out in the field, the, the you're going to get the animal being out in the field. And eventually you're just going to have to, to give her all the way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, and I like that too. So, so you play it flexible where if you're in the mountains and the rut isn't kicking on or you're not into the elk and the spots that you normally get into them, you'll roll back out, roll into work and go like kind of cash in a few days of working during that vacation and then use your vacation when they get rutting harder when they are in those locations. That's, that's how I played it this year and it, and it worked out, but it, it came down to the wire. Like the elk, I don't know, something weird was going on with the rut last year and it got super delayed right to the end of the season. And yeah, I think I got my bull with the Thursday of the last week of the season. So got pretty, pretty lucky in it and it panned out. But I also, I think I lost 15 pounds this season. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. You're not a big guy as is. No, I didn't. I don't know where it goes, Brian, but I, I look like, I don't know, a concentration camp victim or something at the end of the season. Buddies are telling me, you know, it's not healthy. Uh, I probably need to eat more when I'm up there. <laughs> well, it's tough. It uh, suppresses your appetite, and then you're just pushing, burning so many calories, you can't take in enough food to keep up, and especially not mountain food in and through there. But I'm with you, you know, on those high country mule deer hunts, and, and even elk hunts. Sometimes I'll come back and be eight, nine, ten pounds lighter than when I started, and I... I remember like this hunt where I did, I drew Colorado and Wyoming and did back to back. And I remember that year I lost close to 15 pounds because I did like 16, 17 days in the mountains just going for it. And I can look back, I was successful right at the end, just like you were on that bull. But I can look back at that picture and I look back and that's the skinniest I've ever looked. I look like I'm, like I'm trying to make fighting weight or something. You know, I, I'm all dehydrated. My face is kind of sunken in, but that, that's absolutely going for it. Yeah, and and you go for it, Brian. You you inspire the heck out of me with how how hard you hunt. I'm just trying to keep up over here. <laughs> well, likewise, dude. You inspire me too. Well, um, and and those those elk can be so difficult too to hunt. Like I think they're one of the toughest ones to be consistently successful on because they they roam through so much country and it's such a a timing deal. And the best elk spot in the world isn't good all the time it's it's good when the elk are in there but they're not in there all the time they move and they have like this circuit of feeding features and and bedding features that they like to use and so like you may have a good elk spot but if you go in there and like last season you said it was weird and the rut went late like i've had spots that you know it's usually good around the first week or it's usually good around the third week but if i go in there like some years my timing's just off and you go in there and there's no elk in there and you got to start over trying to figure out where they're at and where they're hanging 
Yeah, no, I agree with you, Brian. I think, I don't know, for me, I, I get questions from guys, you know, like, where's a good spot to hunt? Where should I go? And, and I, and what, what should I do? What calling sequence? What this, what that? And I don't know if I'm right because I haven't hunted with a lot of people, but like, you just got to vibe out the elk. Like the first, the first week or so, I usually get them up in the high country and can stock in on them and, and then, you know, as the season progresses, they, they move down or elk are just such a fickle animal. It's hard to, it's hard to have a strategy like, oh, I'm going to do this calling sequence. I've got on elk, you know, at 13,000 feet and sneaking down in them above tree line. I've gotten into elk sitting and calling for 45 minutes in one spot and had elk come in silent, silent as a ghost part. Just here's an elk right there. It's, it's elk are just, I don't know. I guess that's why I'm so obsessed with bow hunting elk is it's, it's just a different experience every time I'm out there and I learn something new. Yeah, for sure. Um, what'd you, I like that saying that you said, like a vibe on the elk, like it almost, like, uh, experience is the best teacher, but it almost comes down to elk hunting instincts. Like, you, you have 10 different options of where you're going to go elk hunting. You have to pick one spot. And then once you get in there, you got to figure out which mountain you're going to look at, which patch you're going to go, which direction you're going to walk. But all of that comes down to these instincts and this experience over the years of, of hunting those locations and similar locations where you really, like you said, you got to vibe the elk. You really got to feel them. And, and where you're seeing elk, you got to try to transpose that to different spots and go, okay, I found them at 13,000 here, 10,000 here like i'm gonna go check this other spot i know about or i've been researching or looking at that's at 10 or 13 and i'm gonna go try it in there and after you you bust an elk or blow an elk like it's tough to catch back up to them and you almost got to start all the way over again oh man yeah dudes that can catch up to the elk those those guys impress me done it a couple times but it is it is rough and my growing up my eye would be chasing around the hills and it was a bad deal but now I've become more patient and almost what I've been doing is in the early season, I'll, I'll find them and, and they'll be in there that first week in Colorado. But I start looking past that. I start looking at, okay, where's their escape routes going to be from all the dudes coming in there and pressuring them? Where, how, where are these elk going to go to, you know, where's the next area where they're going to have the feed and a, and a flat area for them to rut. And I found them in some tiny little cirques you know, way up high, but they usually, I, I mean, you just, like I said, you just got to vibe out the elk, you know, it's, it's hard to explain to people. That's a cool way to think about it. Like where they're going to go, where they're going to get pressured to, where they're going to move to next. Man, I, yeah, I just like that saying, vibing on the elk. And I don't think you can kill elk any other way. Like there isn't, there's a bunch of ways to kill elk, but there's no set way to kill elk. Like you got to vibe them and, and play whatever they'll give to you and, and kind of play to their weaknesses. So when you find them early, you play more of a patient game and really wait for them. Um, do you hunt them in, you probably hunt them in their feeding features quite a bit? Yeah. So early season in the high country, I like to, you know, kind of set up like a mule deer hunter and just glass in the morning and find where they're at. And, uh, usually if they'll, if they'll go in the trees and bed and if I can get within 80 yards of the elk or, or, you know, I like to get as close as I can to them before I start calling. I've had really good success doing that. 
just yeah, just glassing them up high. I really love hunting spots where I can see a long ways. Last year, and I'm weird, man, because uh, a lot of guys will go to the same spots consistently, and I hardly ever hunt the same unit just for the adventure factor. I just really love. I figure if I can if I can get an elk in a unit I've never been in in the state and and have a cool experience. It's only going to improve me as a hunter and a person. And so I, I usually hunt something different and just apply the same kind of methods that have worked for me. And, and that's kind of what I do is I try to find, you know, really rugged, <laughs> really rugged stuff. I don't know why I don't throw the really rugged stuff. Cause I know I can get them in a the little bit easier terrain, but I just love being in the in the big mountains, I guess. Yeah, you like to suffer. Um, and, uh, um, that's so cool. You got such a such a good um, outlook on hunting elk, or say, like I love that, like that exploring mindset. Like we're meant to explore and find new country. We're not meant to go into the same elk spot and hunt the the same ridge and have the elk come up the same way. Like we're meant to roam and go find new country. And I'm the same way. I love to explore, and that's why I'm never afraid to post pictures of where I'm hunting because usually if you're going to where i was at i'm usually three spots ahead by then i'm usually you know in another unit or five drainages over or, or whatever the case but yeah i i really like that that um you know that that you have that exploration, that mindset that you're going to go into a different unit and go figure it out and go find the elk. And so you just go and immerse yourself in the woods and then vibe on the elk and figure out where they are and then hunt them from there. Yeah. And usually, usually I'll cover if I'm not seeing elk in a spot, I won't, I won't stay in there for very long. If I'm not seeing sign or I'll, I'll just keep moving until that's, that's one thing I found with the elk is you just got to, you just got to keep moving until you find them too. Cause if they're not in a spot, sometimes with when I'm hunting mule deer, if I've, if I've seen them in there during my scouting, I'll, I'll stay in there for a while longer. But with elk, I mean, they're, they're a big animal. And if there's added pressure in there already, you can pretty much bet they're, they've already moved on and, and they make a lot of sign. And so I just keep moving until I, until I find them. Yeah, that's the way um, it seems elk hunting is. It's either they're there or they're not, and there isn't much in between. So yeah, and they're in their big bleach blonde bulls, you know, and cows. Like you can you can see them, you know, and they're coming out in those feeding features morning and evening. And so you know real quick if you're into the elk or not into the elk. You can read the sign. You're gonna see the elk. You're gonna hear the elk during the rut. And, and so you know if they're in there or if they're not. And if they're not, elk is all about covering country you know and, and usually then you have to relocate drainages away and you just keep hiking until you can find those things and then once you can find them then you start to hunt them but that's where they're different than a than hunting a mule deer basin where you'll sit on it a couple days and and look for that buck that's just poking out here or there you know elk you just you either know they're there or they're not and you have to move on yeah mm-hmm. yeah maybe that's why i like hunting them as adhd or something just like covering ground, I guess. I don't know. Well, but. I don't blame you. They're about the most thrilling animal to hunt. I mean, once elk season hits around here and it's mid-September to October, there is nothing in life I'd rather be doing than chasing bulls. It's just so exciting and, and so thrilling. The you know, Even if you're not interacting, just hearing the bugles and then like, they've got four foot of horn above their heads. I mean, how could you not love it? And they're just – they're such an awesome species to hunt. I'm with you there. Oh man. Yeah. I think back to all the, 
all the good times I've had chasing him around with my with my dad growing up. I, I remember this one time we were we set up on the on this spot and dad was calling for me and I almost had a bull run me over. I was I was in this one little pathway through the oak brush and that bull came in so hot he almost ran me over. Got like within five yards and I I went to draw my bow and like run away at the same time and he spooked and spun around. Oh, just the the most wildest experiences. I've hit elk with my bugle tube that have came in. <laughs> I've had elk come up and sniff sniff my toes when I'm cows, you know, laying down in a. I don't know. It's just the crazy little adventures that you get to have. You know, I'm just a blue collar fellow living in in Colorado and try to make the most of my little hunting season and make it a big adventure. And every year, it's just. I don't know. I don't think I'll, it's like, it's like in a river runs through it when he turns to his brother and he's like, brother, I'll never leave Montana. That's kind of, that's kind of how I feel about Colorado, you know? Man, that's so awesome. Well, I, I'm the same way and you talk like, uh, being obsessed and, and, um, but I think that, you know, you're such a happy person and happy where you're at. Like, I think, I think it's a blessing that we can have such passion for something and, and such excitement from something. It's something that we just absolutely live for and we wait all year for. And, and when you're doing it, you know, it's, it, it's a labor of love. You have to work really hard at it. Like it isn't fun all the time. Like like the lonely nights when you're by yourself and you're hearing sticks break and that. Like that gets pretty tense because you have your own life in your own hands, you know, and you have to take it in your own hands. And in the lightning storms, I know we've talked about lightning. You said a couple of your buddies were hit a couple of years ago, which is just wild. I mean, that stuff just scares the shit out of me. I and, and just like you, like that lightning, like I just have a ton of respect for it. And we we got to keep safe in the mountains, but um but but there's just i think having passion in our life is a good thing you know i think it keeps us happy and and keeps us working hard towards our goals and gives us drive like like i i don't think there could be anything better in my life than bow hunting or hunting elk or hunting mule deer i just absolutely love it yeah yeah we're, we're two peas in a pod there but no dude you're you're on the spot with the lightning i i think the two things that instill fear in me is lightning and avalanches because those are the the two things i've had buddies die in in the mountains lightning and avalanches so i'm the first dude if i see a storm rolling in or if, or if the little barometer thing goes off in my watch and i can kind of feel that rain's coming i'm headed to tree line <laughs> yeah i'm headed down and well, I, you're smart <laughs> um, yeah, I, I got with my buddies because they were going into a spot and i'm like don't camp up there check the you know i camp up there but i check the weather and if the weather's good i'll camp up there and, the, and they stayed up there and so easy to get caught in a storm and they got they got caught in a storm up there and a lightning bolt hit the ground and arced up and went through my one buddy's back and out through his toes and he said it felt like his foot exploded oh man that is brutal yeah yeah crazy and those guys stayed in there and kept hunting which i was like pretty mad respect for that like you get struck by lightning and keep hunting or you know like be worried about internal damage or something <laughs> yeah, that's uh that's a little tougher than me too if i get struck by lightning i'm probably coming to the truck early <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, yeah that's brutal um yeah well and i th i think you just gotta play it safe like you say we have our life in our own hands when we're back there in the woods and sometimes um, you know, you're on this adventure and you're going for it and you, you read and you think about all year long and you hear other people, how hard they go and how hard they push and, and you want to give it your all on a hunt. I mean, that's part of the reason we're out there is to test ourselves. 
But on the other hand, you have to be safe. You got a responsibility to come home to the people that love you, and and you got a responsibility to yourself to to be able to to hunt on another day. It's more important to skip that evening hunt. Make sure you're down in Timberline in a safe spot to ride out a storm. Then try to be up there on top of the mountain, or you know, I've been on stocks on mule deer where lightning storms roll in, and it just isn't worth it. Like you're you just play it safe. You've got your own life in your own hands, and that's part of the fun of of where we hunt and how we hunt is that you know it is like this this primitive you know primitive style where you you go back where it's you don't feel like a modern human anymore like you are down there where it is your life in your own hands and the decisions you make are going to affect you know the outcome of of your trip but you just got to play it safe you got to get down you got to ride it out in a safe place in the timber um and, and make sure that you can come back and hunt again oh yeah and a lot of that a lot of what you carry and what you do is just learned over time. And I know my dad really reinforced those things growing growing up. And and he always, every time we went hunting in, in, in recent years, he was always, you know, not wanting to go in as far as I was. And so one of the lessons that he tried to teach me, oh, I, I think this was I shot a bull oh, four years ago. And I shot it about you know, five miles in and, uh, he hunts with this little fleece day pack and I always carry, you know, like a, a decompress or a compressed, uh, you know, hunting pack so I can, I can pack out my animal. Well, I drop this bull, this raghorn bull. And my dad's like, we're only making one trip back to camp. I don't care what you have to do. You want to hunt back here in these spots? You're going to pack this whole bull out in one trip. So bone this bull up and, uh, and it was only a mile and a half to camp and it was downhill, but there were spots where I was like post holing through the ground and I stepped on a hornet's nest, a wasp nest, and I got stung a couple times. And, you know, he's trying to teach me this lesson and I got back to camp and I'm laying on the ground, you know, trying to catch my breath. And, and my dad's like, see, I tell you, we can't be hunting these spots way in here. And in my head, I'm like, oh man, imagine how much further next year I can go in. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> All these lessons have, have backfired on him as far as not going in as far. And, yeah, I've I've packed out some absurd weight hunting out. That's the one thing. I want to line up like a horse packer or something because I need to preserve these knees. Yeah, so, for sure. Well, yeah. and we're, we're so young and just love to go for it and, and send it. And that, it's part of the fun uh, of adventure hunting for us is to be able to, to push your limits. But I know those elk get super heavy. It would be good to line up a, line up a pack or like you say, they could just come in and, and grab the meat and take it out. And it'd be worth the three, four hundred dollars. I mean, you'd have to pay way more than that to feed a horse all throughout the year. So if you could just line up somebody and then have them on a cell phone call and have them meet you in there boy that would be slick oh man that would be money i'm i'm looking into that for this year yep two years ago i go ahead brian oh go ahead sorry i didn't mean to cut you off oh no you're fine uh yeah two years ago got in really far and dropped a bull eight miles in and packed that out between my buddy and i in one trip with camp and it it tested literally everything I had in me and I made it to, we had our buddy coming to get us cause we ended up, I think we ended up oh, 14 or 15 miles from where we originally parked the truck after we packed out the eight miles. So like 15 miles up the road is where our truck was. And so like the last mile I was going 
oh, I guess it would be the last two miles. I was going 100 feet at a time and sticking my trekking pole in the ground and just leaning over top of it because of the bell crack was so so wide I couldn't sit down, you know. So oh, it, it was bad. And then my buddy that came and picked us up was going in to help me, and he found me a mile in there, like in the spirit war- world, wandering around looking for water and. <laughs> and then I puked twice on the drive home, and yeah, it was bad. Oh man, like, that is be pretty nice. That is going for <laughs> it, though, isn't it? Um, well, it 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 shapes you as a person, and a guy does have to be careful packing out that weight. But I've got stuck in that too with two guys bringing out a bowl, and you don't want to make multiple trips. Or the mule deer really get me too, because I'll have an entire mule deer that I'll bone out and take the, the horns and the cape or whatever I'm taking, you know, and, and then I have my camp too. And those ones get upwards of 115, 120, maybe more. I've never put them on a scale, but I have taken myself to my absolute limits. And that's, it's why it's so important to train and keep yourself in good shape before season and then to get in good shape during season. But I think a guy's got to be careful there too. And as the years go on, I'd almost rather make, more trips with less weight than I would those super heavy ones. But then again, I always find myself in that spot and I always go, well, I'll, I'll just take it to the, take it to the top of the hill and then I'll dump it there. And then I end up carrying the whole thing out. Oh yeah. It's, yeah. It, it's a hard one to say which one is better. <laughs> it is. I think I've got to get better. And like you say, saving all my knees and just injury. I met a guy once in this gnarly mountain range in Montana, and he told me a story. And he's a really hardcore muley guy, and I found him back in this muley spot. And, and we got talking, and we've kept in touch since. But um, he told me this story of killing this big non-typical buck, like this 11 by 13 or something. Maybe I'm not remembering the details quite right. But he killed it and then tried to pack it off the mountain and took a spill and really hurt himself where he had to leave the buck and barely made it out of there and his buddies had to come back and get his bow and get his buck and everything was yard sailed over the hillside i can't remember exactly what his injury was it's been a few years but a guy's got to be really careful when you start sticking that hundred plus pounds on your back like it's really easy to make a mistake and to to blow out your knee which the recovery could be a long time so like i'd rather make a couple 70 pound loads than i would like a 130 140 pound load and i've got to get smarter about doing that just because it's it's gonna make my longevity of being able to hunt this backcountry longer take better care of myself and i'm safer too i'm not going to get myself in trouble back there yeah we we say all this now and then we'll be telling (laughs) these crazy events that happen (laughs) next year (laughs) dude like on my mule deer hunt this year my my buddy and i went in and we went into this this spot that i'd been looking at the year before that I didn't go into and we ended up he ended up dropping a really nice buck and we we uh you know split him in half and uh we hiked him up the mountain and didn't have any water and so we were just dying at the top of this mountain to have some water so my my buddy's like hey you go check that big open park that we were gonna hit and I'll fill up the water and I was like oh are you sure man like I, I don't mind not hunting tonight you know we've got half a deer on our backs let's just let's just wait. And so he was filling up the water and I, I went down and I was hiking down into this, down into this big open, open park at the top of the mountain. And as I was walking, walking down, I, I looked and I seen, a, and I see, I saw a deer rub and uh, I was like, Oh man, they're, they're rutting in here. This is, this is third season in Colorado. So November, like, oh, there's, there's a buck in here. And that looks like a pretty big rub. It looked like an elk rub at first. And so I kind of stopped and I looked to my left and a doe came out 
and then another doe and another doe and then this freaking deer i had still had the pack on i should have dropped my pack i don't know why i left the pack on but i did so i left the pack on and then this deer comes out and it's like twice the size of these does i'm like oh that's a big buck and so i, I got my scope up on him and i'm free-handed now looking through my scope and i'm like oh this is a big deer this is like 30 inch wide deer I'm like what do i do and then there was a tree in front of me and i knew i couldn't move so i I, I tried to steady my aim of my rifle and I went to jerk the trigger and I stopped myself because it was just, you know, getting a little bit of buck fever. So I wrapped the sling around my arm a couple times. He's at 200 yards. <laughs> and so I squeezed the trigger. Boom. And this was the first year I ever shot a rifle with a muzzle break and my ears are just ringing. And, uh, didn't know if I hit him or not. My buddy came running over. He's like, what happened? What happened? I told him what happened. We walked up there couldn't find blood, couldn't find blood, and uh, it got dark, and he was walking back to go get his pack and water, and uh, I'm walking around, and I, I look up, and I just see this big rack sticking out of the sticking out of the grass with a big kicker point, and I just lost it, dude. I was on the ground just yelling and screaming. <laughs> Long story short, we had two deer down now, and we had them both boned out, and we were either, I think, three-quarters of a mile or like – two miles or so from camp if we wrapped all the way around the mountain and came down the drainage which was an easier hike or we went down this it was steep and timbered slope with deadfall just straight down the camp so of course we elected to do the straight down the camp through the deadfall of course <laughs> and my buddy he was crushing it through there he was like i don't know he, he does yoga and stuff so he was like able to really stretch over the stuff and I was struggling and then at one point I fell and I had this I had the cape and stuff on my back and I fell and I put one of the I didn't know at the time but I thought I just jabbed myself a little bit but I put one of the antler tips like probably like a half an inch into my the back of my tricep oh man yeah it was all swollen up oh geez but we made it back to camp around like 2 30 a.m and yeah it was it was a rough one, but it was crazy, dude, shooting that buck with a half a deer on my back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good for you. Uh, pretty good deer then, huh? Yeah, he was I, – I don't ever score anything, and I don't know why I don't I, – I just don't. But he's like 30 – a little – a little, um, just barely under 32 inches wide. Oh, so wow. So I was pretty stoked, dude. Yeah, no doubt. No, it sounds like a great one. Well, and, and – you know, you can't let scores ruin you too. Like uh, everybody's all about the scores, and and deer never score quite what you want them to or what you think they will. But you know, it is good to know you know the rough size of things. But uh, I'm with you. I think it's cool you don't score anything. You just appreciate it for what it is. Yeah, yeah. I just I don't know. I I scored one on my antelope when I was trying to get into the into the Pope and Young or whatever, and they sent me a little a little slip and said I had to buy the book. So I got like all bitter against the whole measuring it thing. And then everybody was always asking, how, much, how what do you think that thing scores? And, oh, I don't know, man. You know, it scores 200 inches in my eyes, you know. It's just more about, I want to keep it about the experience and just, you know, the the love of the hunt. And whether it's a, you know, 190-inch deer or 160-inch deer, it's just more about the experience for me, you know. Oh, that's so cool, man. I I just really like that mindset. Enjoying the adventure and enjoying the experience and 
And, and the same with me. I, I mean, I love chasing big bucks and chasing big bulls, but I, I like the opportunity and the thrill. And, and a lot of these hunts I go on, you know, the biggest deer I, I may see may be a 160 inch deer. And I'm fine with that. I just have fun hunting and embracing the experience, appreciating the landscape that you're out in and, and just having fun with it. You wait all year for it. You better have fun doing it. Oh, yeah. The most raddest parts of all my hunts are never, you know, the, the actual killing of the animal always, you know, some of the, just the experiences you have up there. And that's what I want to hold on to. I don't want it to be about inches or, you know, sponsorships or whatever else that, you know, can cloud the experience. I just want to keep it wholesome. And this is, it's not a job for me. It's what I love. So I'm just gonna, you know, keep it what I keep it to what I grew up doing with my dad. I mean, with my dad, it was, I don't, he wouldn't even let me hunt a bull until I was 14. You know, the first couple of years he said, nope, you're, you know, you're going to shoot meat cows. And so it was always about the meat growing up. And if I passed on an elk, uh, illegal elk with my bow, I was going to hear about it growing up. So <laughs> that's just kind of the environment I grew up in, I guess. Oh, it's a great way to grow up. Yeah, just in well, embracing that experience and embracing that fun in the mountains, and then you know the 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 great organic protein that we get. I mean, that's the whole reason we do it to feed our feed ourselves and our families throughout the year. And so a guy can't lose sight of that. And I love chasing big critters for the challenge of it, and for the experience, and for the adventure. But there too, if I'm chasing a big critter and I go home with my tag intact. I'm still happy with the experience I have and the trials and tribulations I went through. And, and like you say, just embracing the whole deal. But I think that's really cool. I think you got a good outlook on it. Yeah. And, oh, well, now, dude, it's changed because I will tell you I passed on six or seven bulls last year, and it was painful to do that. But in the year before, I passed on elk, and this year I passed on deer. You know, it it becomes more of a looking for that that one animal that's going to – make all the effort throughout the year in your own, you know, for you worth everything that you put into it. And then also, I don't know, the, the longer you hold out, the more adventure you're going to have and the, the more, you know, in touch with the mountains you're going to feel, if you will. I know that's pretty corny. People are going to be like, Oh, the Colorado kid talking about <laughs> elk and getting in touch with the mountains. <laughs> but seriously though, I, I just love the whole experience of chasing bigger animals. Now I just, I'll, I'll eat my tag and, and shoot a cow during, during rifle season and try to shoot something, you know, way back in with a, with my bow. I just love that. Yeah, that's cool. Well, it extends your season. You get to hunt longer and like the, you know, the the tougher a challenge is, like, the more reward you get from it. And so when you set your sights higher on a more mature animal, the tougher it's going to be to accomplish your goals. So when you do accomplish them, it means that much more to you. And, and I, I'm just uh, – I'm like you, too, where uh, not the more trouble I get into, but the more adventure I can have on a hunt, the happier I am. You know, the longer the hunt goes, you know, the the happier and more fulfilled I am. And, and, and killing a deer early in the hunt – you know, I don't like to do – like I almost pass up on opportunities just to try to extend the hunt a little bit further or go, no, you know, it's not quite the buck I'm after. No, the situation isn't quite right to where when it gets down to the end few days, you know, I'd do anything to have that opportunity or that chance to go chase him. But uh, I, I'm like you. I just – I want the most adventure out of it. Yeah, and I think we're a little sick in the fact that we like the suffering. 
So, like, I think yeah. you're right. <laughs> like even working out, it's always got to go full retard and see see what it, if you can block yourself out. I don't know what's wrong with me. There's something off, but yeah, I just I yeah I just love going for it. I guess, man. Well, it makes for a good mountain hunter, that's for sure. <laughs> I, I I guess so. <laughs> yeah, that's like me, a glutton for punishment. Yep. Um, well, and it's fun to find your limits and and find how far you can push yourself and how far you can go and and, and fun when you get home and you did have those those adventures back there and and I uh, what did you say when you said your buddy found you in the spirit land? Like you almost walk so much you hallucinate and with a heavy pack load like that, you do you almost lose your mind or go to this different place? Like you go to the spirit world you know and i i don't know it's it's pretty wild to to be able to push yourself in the mountains and maybe not to that extreme but it's fun to push yourself in the mountains that's for sure oh man yeah that one yeah people probably won't believe you know that half the elk and camp for you know seven miles until i caught up with my buddy and he he took my pack and i packed out the the rack but yeah dude that happened and i was literally looking at rock formations and envisioning roads and I was an idiot because I was trying to cut weight and, you know, of course I'm not going to leave any of my gear behind. You know, that's like living, I live in an apartment because I spend so much on hunting equipment. So that's all coming with me. I'm not taking the chance leaving that up there. So I ditched all my food and a lot of my water and the pack out took 14 hours. So at the end of it, I definitely needed some food. So I was getting pretty low. Oh, brutal. Yeah, 14 hours of packing out. Um, yeah, that's brutal. I, I, I've been faced with those same situations. I remember like Nevada. I went and hunted Nevada and I hunted it years ago. I killed a, a really nice buck in there. I drew like a premium unit and got to hunt it. Well, Nevada would never give me a tag again for that premium unit I knew. And so I finally just said, okay, I'm just going to put in for an easier backcountry unit. And I, I just, I got to draw a tag and go hunt Nevada again. And so I drew it. I think it was 2014. If I remember right, 2014. Uh, and so I went in there and I, I left from this trailhead and it was one of those deals where you show up at the trailhead and it's the day before opening day and there has to be 7,500 vehicles in the parking lot. There's bow hunters walking around everywhere. I'm starting to get my pack together. I'm going, oh man, what did I sign up for? Like this is the trailhead I'm going to leave from, huh? And so – I get my stuff all ready. I ditch my stove. I ditch any cooking food. I'm just trying to cut weight to where I can get it around 40 pounds where I can travel more miles and get back and find my own country. And, and I'm walking out of the trailhead, and God, I got a bow hunter that flags me down, and he goes, oh, hey, where are you headed? I said, I don't even know, bud. I've never even hunted this place. Like I'm, I'm headed up there and back in, and I couldn't even describe where I was going to go because I'd never even been in the mountains. I'd scouted them on a map in Google Earth and kind of knew a direction where I was going, but this guy really wanted to pin me down of where I was going to be and wanted to tell me where he was hunting. I said, I I won't bother you. I said, I'm just headed on this trail and headed back. Well, I ended up miles and miles and miles, days back in there. I I think I ended up... more than 20 miles from my truck, but I finally found this spot where these mature bucks were hanging, and I had it all to myself. And I, I finally ended up killing this buck on the seventh day, and he was a really nice velvet buck. I was just thrilled. I had a bunch of stocks that didn't come together, finally killed this buck. Well, now I'm sitting 20-some miles from my truck, from the trailhead, where I've got to pack this entire boned-out deer, and I've got to go to the top of three 11,000-foot peaks to make it back to my truck. Well, I started looking at it, and yeah, I want to be smart and take them out, you know, two trips and take my camp up but 
you know, I'm 20 some miles back. I got to take a load out 20 some miles back in 20 some miles and then back out 20 some miles. Like, I don't know if I can do 60, 70 miles in a couple days. Like I better just go heavy and try to make it. So just like we talked about, stick that boned out meat on there and the, and the skull plate and start heading out. But, um, that was just a brutal pack out. And I, I met up with a couple bow hunters on my way out. Like when I got about five miles from the truck and, and I was able to team up with those guys. They were packing out a buck as well and and kind of just had somebody to kind of follow and focus my eyes on because like you say you walk that much with that heavy load and man you start to kind of lose it you know but i did make it out but those putting that much into getting an animal out or harvesting an animal that hunt means the world to me it's one of my proudest moments one of my my biggest achievements being able to go that many miles back get it to myself and then get that buck and get every ounce of meat out there for my family for the next year and it was warm too like uh you know probably 90 100 degrees down in the valley 70 80 up in the mountains and so i was on a time crunch but that was that same deal like you're talking about like i think i had 13 or 14 14 hours packing that buck out of there so i know what you went through on that elk and that's just brutal but it's it's part of the reason why we do it right the more the adventure the the more we enjoy looking back on it oh did you say 20 miles barney <laughs> i did yeah oh. it, it was a poke it was a ways back in there it's the farthest i've ever shot a deer for sure oh my god dude that is insane yep um you know, it's a solo hunt, seven days in, and able to harvest a big buck like that and, and take him out. But, oh, my God, did I blow myself out, up getting out of there. Um, like, I, I like to make myself sore and get a good workout, but I just destroyed my quads and my hamstrings and my butt. And like, everything on my body hurt when I got out of there. I was sore for the next two, three days, but, but able to get everything out. And, and what a cool experience. And now... I, I will go back and hunt that spot, but I go in a different way. Like I found a way where I don't have to do that many miles. I can park at a at a different spot and come up through. But at the time, you know, I I ran all those options through my head of okay, well maybe I can just pack it down to this trailhead and then I can hike out with no weight, grab my truck and come around. But then I started to worry like I don't know what the public access is like down there. I don't know if I can even drive to that spot. I'd hate to get a deer down there and then not be able to retreat them so you know my only option here is to to pack this deer and take them the way i came in but i will hunt it different next time i go in there that's for sure dude that is so wild but that's that's what i love about just mule deer in general and then also otc elk tags is it's it's the great equalizer among hunters you know you have this stigma with sheep hunting of like the country club dude that can pay for his sheep and you know, wear his Kuyu vest around and khaki pants. You know, my buddies and I always joke about that. But you take a, a big, mature mule deer buck or just a big six-by-six over-the-counter bull, and that equalizes the playing field on all the guys, and they're in the same areas that sheep are. So that's that's – I just respect the heck out of a guy that can go in by himself and shoot a big, mature buck with a bow. That is just wild. 
Oh, me too. Yeah, I respect the heck out of it too. Uh, uh, big bucks and, and over the counter bulls and, um, it, it is the equalizers. Like the, the mountain doesn't care how good your job is and the mountain doesn't care how much money you made. The, the mountain doesn't care, you know, how much you prepared. Like it's an equalizer for everybody, you know, and, and also the mountain doesn't care, you know, how many big bucks you've killed before, or how many bulls you've killed before. You're only judged on your actions on that hunt, you know, and so it comes down to, to your instincts and your knowledge and does come down to the preparation you've done for sure. And then just absolutely go for it but yeah i have huge respect for it i mean a, a bow and arrow for these trophy critters whether it's bulls or bucks it, it's just no easy feat it's one of the toughest challenges out there and especially public lands when you got other guys that are gunning for those animals you've got to be able to to push harder than those guys or get farther back or have a better knowledge base and it, and it is i like the way you say it it's such the equalizer the mountain just equalizes everybody you know you're all equal going in oh yeah dude it's 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 so sick to be able to have those experiences and like the other day I was on Instagram and I seen this picture of this giant mule deer with a bow and this guy you know reposted someone else's kill and was like oh you know if if this deer would have had enough, another couple years he would have been a, a true giant and this deer was legit 200 inch deer and I was just thinking man who are you to say wait two years like this dude just accomplished the feat of his life by shooting this deer and you're gonna say to wait a couple years you know it's just i don't know we've become so we've diluted hunting so much with you know this the sponsorship or whatever you know this pyramid scheme of people you know worrying about promoting stuff and and worrying about the inches that we're losing focus on what it's truly about and that's that's why i have such a respect for you brian is you you truly you truly love it, man. You know, you truly, you truly just love the experience. Well, you too. And I, I love, um, how honest you are with that. And, and like you say, we got to be careful that we don't dilute hunting too much, that we, that we do embrace the experience and be happy for whatever we harvest and whatever everybody else harvests. And, and, and no matter what the size of the deer, those things are tough out of the backcountry. And elk too. I mean, elk, I've often looked at that. Montana, we've got really heavy pressure over the counter tags, killing a bull with your bow every year in, in, in this state or any state, Colorado. You know, I'm sure they're all the same where you got guys gunning for them with over the counter tags, but that is a total feat. Like, if you can accomplish that, you know, you've accomplished something major and, and something to be proud of. And, and you know, you, you see big bucks and big bulls being, you just can't compare yourself to everybody. Guys are going to kill bigger animals, guys are going to kill bigger deer and bigger elk. You have to be happy with the experience and the mountains and the challenge. And, and when you're successful, you have to embrace that. That. There's nothing to feel bad about there, and and I'm definitely if I kill a 200 incher, I'm not going to say I should have waited a couple of years. I'm going to be thrilled with the buck I just killed, no matter what the size. Right. Yeah, and that's the thing about the hunting the over the counter and stuff is, you know, nobody cares about your stats from last year. The elk don't care about the stats that you had last year. The elk don't care that your freezer's empty. The elk don't care that you sat on the couch all winter and maybe had a couple too many brews. You know. It, <laughs> You know, it, it, it is the equalizer hunting those animals and you have to, you have to structure your whole life. If you want to be successful year in and year out, you have to literally structure your whole life around it. Scouting, the exercise, the, the shooting of the bow, the tuning of the equipment. I mean, if you're really, if you really want, want to have that success, you know, you, you have to, 
really structure your whole life around it, I feel like. Oh man, you're so right. It's a lifestyle and it's, um, it, it's dedication and determination and, um, yeah. And you, you, you have to keep putting in the work to be successful. Uh, like me and my, my buddy, I have got this buddy that I hunt with a lot of times and we always joke around and, and it's kind of like an inside joke, but he says, Oh, uh, you're Brian Barney. Don't you just walk in the mountains and they lay down for you? Don't you, you just go shoot another big one. Don't you, you know, but it, you're so right. It's the, the animals don't know what you've done in the past or what you you've accomplished before you've got to put it all on the line right then and there and i think that's what i like is like living in that moment of and and i like i like the challenge it seems like when you're immersed in this challenge of trying to harvest this animal and it's extremely difficult with a bow and arrow like immersed in that challenge i can't think about anything else in life i'm not thinking about my taxes i'm not thinking about bills i'm not thinking you know i'm thinking how i'm going to harvest that animal and how I'm going to keep myself safe, but how I'm going to harvest that animal. And I, I love that chess match with it, with animals trying to figure it out and put it together. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's one of our, our sayings, my buddies and I have, you know, like we're, we're, you know, we're training or skinning up the mountain to ski down and uh, we're just struggling, you know, like we were going up this winter and we were going through like a, a foot and a half of fresh powder trying to skin up to the top, to the warming hut. And I just looked at him and I was like, elk don't give a shit. You know, elk don't care that we're struggling right now. They're living in this. <laughs> right? Yeah, so, so that, right. So you do a lot of backcountry skiing then too, huh? Well, just, just starting to get back into that. Um, mostly uh, next year I'll probably get a split board. I was skiing this year. But, yeah, I love I love getting back there. I, I, I grew up doing a little bit of that on snow machines, but it was not very smart without avalanche beacons and, yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, there's just, I'm always up in the mountains in the winter, skinning up, and then mountain biking, and I just, I'm just a mountain kid, man. I, I grew up in them, and, and uh, it's all I really know, the fly fishing, the, the, the hunting, you know, the skiing, the mountain biking, I don't know what else, I, I mean, I lived in the city for three years, and I put 40,000 miles on my, on my truck in a year and a half, driving back to the mountains, so. <laughs> That's so cool. Um, that's skinning, um, skiing, you know, and I've done a bit of downhill and growing up and I, I don't do a whole lot now. I've got a couple kids, 13 and nine. And so we try to get them up a couple times skiing. It, it's tough to afford. You got to really pick and choose your hobbies, but uh, I'd love that skinning and that backcountry skiing and, and keeping it safe, but getting some really good turns, but having to work for those turns. I think that would be really cool. I want to, I want to get into that more. Oh, dude, you have to, you have to try it. That's skinning is unreal because like growing up growing up in in the yampa valley and then now over here in this valley there's just something to be said about dudes that just go uphill like there is a difference between you know when you go into the flatlands and a, and a dude that has just gone uphill his whole life whether it's trail running whether it's you know backcountry skiing whether it's mountain biking there's just a whole different mentality with uphill dudes so I try to incorporate that into everything, and the skinning is a workout. It's like cross-country skiing up the ski mountain, and you know I'll be I'll be going up I'll be going up the mountain, and there'll be dudes, you you know you'll crush some dudes, you'll go past them, and then you, there'll be guys that'll just zip past me, and they'll do two or three laps. So there's just always someone out here that's going to push me to my limit because there's there's always someone that makes you sad, even sometimes the girls. 
Uh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Those girls, uh, some of them can be pretty fit and push pretty hard too. And there's a technique to it too, right? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. You want to just glide along and then make sure you're you're standing up straight. Because if you start to lean forward, then you'll slide back down the mountain. Okay. And <laughs> so endurance based. I just think that's a great exercise. I like what you say. Just uphill guys. Like that's what I want to be. I want to be an uphill guy. And elevation. Boy, elevation is the killer. It's not like 20 miles is a long ways to go, but I can go run tr- 20 miles in a day. But you run 20 miles and do six, 8,000 feet of vert, like that's a day. Like uh, all of a sudden, you know, I, I'm I'm pretty tired when I get home at the end of the day. But I think that elevation is king. And, and being able to do elevation, it teaches your body endurance, which makes miles nothing. But, but endurance is – or uh, uphill stuff, that's – that's where it's at, I think. It's just as many hills as you can work and do and run and ski and bike. Like that's that's what's gonna make a mountain man out of you. Yeah. Yep. The the uphill the uphill man. Yeah. It's 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 rough. The elevation and the going uphill. But I I love it. It's fun. I don't know about the twenty miles of trail running in a day. Barney, you're on a different level, but <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I definitely like to push it to the limits. I, you know, most days I'm I'm doing like more like five to twelve or somewhere in there. But yeah, on the weekend days or especially if I'm training for a big race, yeah, I'll try to do twenty plus for sure. But it's not the twenty plus that kills me. It's definitely the elevation that kills me. There's a there's a race that I that I did here that I want to do again. That's called the Devil's Backbone, and it's a uh, fifty. It's a fifty mile race. Um, but it's 11,000 feet of vertical gain and loss in the race. And it's the 11,000 feet that kill you, not the 50 miles. Oh, man. Yeah, I think that's the that's the big thing, though, is like I think, you know, for for dudes is just mixing it up with different activities going gaining elevation. That's what I try to do some some a lot of mountain biking. And that just like red lines my heart because you get to a technical section and you've really got to push it to get up it. Otherwise you're going to go over the bars or, or, you know, tip your bike over. So you really got to, you really got to go for it. And then, you know, your heart's redlined and you got to keep focus going through there. And then I'll do a lot of, uh, pack hikes, I'll load up my pack heavy and go uphill and then downhill. Cause you want to get, you want to strengthen, strengthen your legs and ankles going downhill with weight. So it's just, you know, mixing it up, doing some, doing some running. I'm not, I'm no runner like you, but doing some running and, you know, just mixing it up. Yeah, I definitely think mixing it up. And and you're right, that downhill is just about as important as the uphill. And you'll often hear guys say, well, the downhill is tougher on you than the uphill. And, and it is, but until you condition your body for it, like once your muscles, like your quads start to get used to that downhill, they, they start to... Uh, they they assist your joints, like they assist your knees and your ankles to where your muscles can take more of that strain and help stabilize you coming downhill. And, and my knees don't get sore coming downhill multiple miles a day coming downhill. My joints just don't ache because I think I've built up those downhill muscles. And so I think it's important when you're training to do the uphill and to do the downhill. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And then the other thing, my my buddy who's a who's a sheep guide tanner he turned me on to doing doing a lot of one-legged lifts in the gym like one-legged squats one-legged box step ups one leg one leg lunges a lot of one-legged stuff helps those stabilizer muscles i think and that has helped me a lot is doing instead of just doing heavy deadlifts and squats and stuff is doing one-legged and more reps 
Oh, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I'll have to incorporate some more of that myself. Um, yeah, because you're you're also using that balance too to do those one legged moves, and yeah, the stabilization, like you said, um, I can see where that really help a guy out. But yeah, the more muscle you can build around your joints, like your your body adapts to the stress you put on it, and so if you're constantly stressing it, getting ready for your mountain hunts, your body's just ready for it. And I try to get my body ready to where you know I can do six to ten miles a day really easy with a lot of elevation, and I'm not going to be sore the next day. My body's just used to that output day in day out and and it also it keeps you stronger mentally when you're in that good physical shape like it doesn't drain you mentally as bad like you sleep a good night's rest and you wake up in the morning and you're ready to rock and roll again but i think that's a big part of mountain hunting is just keeping your attitude right keeping in the moment enjoying the experience but keeping that attitude positive and and just even if you haven't seen a an elk for three days or a deer for three days like where are you going to go next where's the next spot you're going to walk where's the next spot you're going to look you got to make a game plan and you got to just keep pushing and find that critter and try to create that that opportunity that you need to be able to fill that tag yeah and i think mountain hunters their life is just uh glass half full if you will because they're used to chasing these mountain animals and being unsuccessful so many times so anything in life seems easy and is a success so they're just seems like they're mostly all just happy dudes (laughs) (laughs) right yeah exactly they've experienced the real struggle i guess it is yeah well and, and you do you have so many highs and lows on a hunt and and so you you got to keep your mind in it but you're gonna have lows on a hunt like all you know i used to plan for for one my one adventure hunt a year where you know and usually it's going to hunt high country mule deer and i'd still hunt elk but i can do it locally you know weekend warrior it take a friday long weekend or whatever but so I'd, i'd put all this emphasis on this adventure hunt i'd go on and then you get you know three days into it and and maybe uh you, you mess up a stock, you know, on the buck that you've been chasing the whole trip or or you clean miss. Bow hunting's not easy and it's not easy. Like I like what you were saying with that rifle where where you you articulated like instantly you wanted to jerk the trigger on that rifle. Like that's what you want to do with your bow too. Like you get – you work so hard for that opportunity. You just want to get a shot no matter if you miss or you hit or whatever. You just want to make it go now and you got to fight that urge and really execute your shot. But – but you have letdowns on a hunt, and you have lows. And boy, you talk about the lowest low—airballing uh, a giant muley or a giant six-point that you've worked so hard to get close to. Like uh, all of a sudden, your glass isn't so half full, and you got to figure out how you're going to get it half full, or how you're going to keep in the game, and how you're not just going to going to give up and go home. And that was your chance. Oh, dude, yeah. Talk about airballing stuff and then taking the wind out of your sails. I've been there. I have been there. Oh man. Two years ago, my, our other buddy we were hunting with came back to camp holding one of my arrows from a year before prior where I had missed a big six by six. He's like, is this your arrow? What was it doing out there? And I just like went straight back to that moment, you know, like, Oh, you're still there, Colton. I lost you. Can you hear me, Brian? Oh, yeah, I got you back there. Um, so, so yeah, you were saying um, your buddy found the arrow, and it took you back to that moment when you had that bowl. And then continue on the story. I lost you there. 
Yeah, sorry. No, it's it's my internet. This the I'm I'm pretty re- kind of remote, so my internet's not very good. But anyway, so yeah, my my buddy came back to camp holding this arrow, and he's like, "Look, I found this arrow," and I'm like, "Oh, dude, that's mine from last year." And then instantly, like, went back to the airball miss after you know laying in. I was laying down for about an hour and a half, just getting pounded by rain as this bull with like 20 cows is just milling around in this open park. And I was in the pines and he finally got close enough for a shot and I drew back and just airballed it. And so like, you just go eat, like, even now I go back to it. So yeah, you, you, you never forget the, you never forget the airballs. <laughs> oh, I know it. Well, and it, it's so easy to do too to just lose focus in that moment and and send one over his back or just forget one of your small steps. But you know that's the lowest of lows, and you're going to have to go through that on a backcountry hunt in one form or another. Maybe you won't airball, maybe you'll mess up a stock, or the 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 elk uh, winding me just really takes the wind out of my sails. When you work so hard back there for an opportunity and you finally locate a good bull you want, and you get one of those mountain breezes that just swirls around down in there, and he wins you. And, and he's gone, you know, but it, you got to you got to learn how to pick yourself up from those misses and those lows and, and get back on the horse and just get back hunting. And and I try to focus on redemption and getting another opportunity. That's where my mind starts to go. Well, yeah. And then what I always keep telling myself, like the little engine that could back there is that it only takes one opportunity. It only takes one opportunity. It only takes one moment. You know, so many times you get down and it seems like nothing's going right. And then all of a sudden everything just aligns perfectly and it, and it happens. But if you, if you, if you leave or if you, you know, stay in camp that day, that opportunity or that moment isn't going to come. So I just, I, you know, I just try to stay out and keep going after it and dusting myself off. And eventually that opportunity will align for me. (laughs) Right. Um, and it's wild how many times it comes together. I mean, Honestly, sometimes out there, I feel like I'm trying to accomplish the impossible. I feel like trying to arrow this bull or this buck, like it, it is so difficult and I've spooked so many along the way and I just can't seem to get it right. I feel like it's just like it's this impossible task. Like how did I ever kill anything before? How do I – how am I going to make this happen? But you're right. You just got to keep out there, keep trying, and keep trying to create that sliver of opportunity you need and just, just knowing that you've worked on your shooting all year and it's like all I need is just a one chance. I just need it to come together. And it's amazing like how many times it actually comes together for you in a season. Like you just keep working hard and eventually your opportunity comes and you make right on it. It, it just amazes me like how many times it comes together with such a difficult task. Exactly. And that's like I said earlier is that's what's taught me so much about just life in general is – you just apply those same things to life and it, it kind of works out the same way for you. You know, it's just, it's just, uh, it's the, it literally has grown me as a person and developed my character and everything else is, is hunting and hunting in the mountains for animals. I just applied that same philosophy to, to life and, you know, good things happen. Boy, you're so right. Yeah, no, the best life lessons you can learn, and you you learn a lot about yourself in the mountains. But I, I think that's what's made me who I am as well. Um, yeah, uh, just those trials and tribulations, and seeing your way through, and and you know some near death experiences at times. You know, whether it's an extreme pack out or a lightning storm or a grizz bear or whatever the case is. Um, but the deal is, is that you you made it through that. 
by your own wit and your your own decisions, and that gives you confidence in life. And when you accomplish something that's so difficult, it gives you confidence in life. So I, I think those are a bunch of great life lessons. And like you say, you, you just transpose that and you you insert that in your normal life. And, and and those tough hardships you go through mile after mile and keep pushing your body, like you, you get back in, in real life and living in your comfortable house and water out of your tap and like all of a sudden like your life problems just aren't that big of a deal and you don't let yourself feel as much stress and anxiety about things like you just go you know i'm just going to do all i can what i can control and it'll work out in the end it always does yeah exactly and that's that's what i notice with with dudes is like a lot of the like my buddy and i always ask each other do you think that guy sends it like that's our way like do you think he's actually hardcore but you see all these guys like this time of year, everybody starts getting a little stir crazy because they, they made it through winter and everybody's ready to get back out. You know, <laughs> you start seeing start seeing dudes posting more pictures of the high country and it's just everybody just lives for this. You know, we all just love it so much. We do. And there's a lot of guys out there that are sending it. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's making it tougher because now you got to. Now you gotta think, you gotta think even more where the, where the animals are gonna be maybe closer to the trailhead because there's people so far back in. Yeah. Now you gotta look to see where you find pockets that don't have trails in them and bushwhack, you know, instead of going back in on a trail, maybe only go in three miles, but bushwhack the whole way in. You know, it's just, it's a whole different strategy game now. Yeah, no, you're so right. Finding your way around pressure, bushwhacking's a good one, downfall timber, straight up the mountain. Elevation has always been an equalizer for me. Guys, you know, if you cross a big canyon or a couple big canyons, you know you'll you'll have it on your own. But yeah, it's this new day and age of hunting and I I, I really like everybody that is out there sending it and I, and I I just try to try to support the guys that are out there working hard towards their goals, and I I love to see it. And there's plenty of country out there for all of us, and we are still able to get away from them. But it is this new age of hunting where everybody's training hard, everybody's gaining the knowledge, everybody's working on their shooting, everybody wants to be successful. And and so this this new age is you just got to put a lot of effort into it, and and in constant effort, and and really. Um, you know, you know, plan out your hunts and do as much research as you can and, and then hunt hard when you get there. Um, but, but it is a fun day and time because there are still trophies out there on our public lands to chase. And, and it's, it's achievable for, for the average guy like me and you that, that work construction jobs and we work all year long just to have that time in the mountains to really push ourselves and, and, and soothe our soul and, and be able to, to go through those trials and tribulations. But yeah, I mean, with Without that, I mean, I, I don't know. I just, I really love hunting, and, and and always have. But it seems like my love grows year after year. I just want to work harder and do better and, and be better in the mountains. I love that challenge. Oh yeah, dude, it's so rad, and it is cool to see other guys out there now doing it. And it gives, it truly gives hunting such a better representation when you have guys like that, you know, that are that are getting out there and you know, getting out there in the, in the public and on social media or whatever avenue that they choose and, you know, showing what, you know, hardcore hunters and, and do it yourself guys are actually doing. And so that, you know, you're not, you're not seeing the Bubba hunter stereotypes. You're seeing, you know, mountaineering type dudes that are just, you know, fully consumed by it and providing for their families. You know, I think it's so cool. 
Oh, it is so cool. Yep. No, we are being portrayed way better like a i like that like uh like mountaineers that 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 work hard year round towards their goals and and like to test themselves in the mountains trying to to harvest animals more so than the redneck hunter driving down the road and shooting out his window so we're we're starting to be portrayed in a better light and we're starting to be portrayed like like for the love of it like the love that you have for it and the love that that I have for it like that's starting to come out and be shown and I think that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that gets other people stoked on it and then they're at the bow shop picking up a bow or a rifle and getting out, you know, like my girlfriend's getting super stoked. She grew up with me and uh in my hometown but never hunted and now she's, you know, took her hunter safety and starting to starting to shoot at the rifle and just getting you know just totally amped on it eating all the elk meat at the house so it's cool to see it's it's cool to see other people get into it and i've gotten a few buddies into it and you know seeing their success it's yeah it's 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 just the whole package of it i guess yeah, it's so cool. No, I I love to see it as well. Um, it, it's just fun. It's fun to get new hunters into it. I know, like my daughter and my wife, I've been able to introduce, and then other buddies. And then I also like to like to you know, my friends of mine, like I like to take them on epic experiences. Like I like to have that elk hunting day where it just goes off where it's like you can't even believe your eyes that you saw that like it's just such insane action and it's such a rush like and it makes them fall in love with it even more but i love sharing that experience with my buddies if i do have an epic elk spot or an epic deer spot or whatever it is i love to be i love solo but i love to be able to share that with with my buddies and be able to share that experience with them and then you know when we get together and have a cold one you know we talk about those those struggles we had or that epic elk day where they were going off where we heard 500 bugles in a day or or whatever it is but it's really neat to be there in nature and be able to experience that and then be able to share that with other people oh yeah the experiences that one would acquire from getting off the trail in in hunting mountain animals is just completely different than you know staying on the on the beaten path and seeing the stuff that everybody else sees you're just going to see so much more of the of the animals and the mountains and just a whole different experience that I think anybody, even the, even the antis, if they got there, got out there and even if they agreed with it or not, they sure would respect it. Yeah. It's the ultimate adventure. I think they would too. Yeah. 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 The other day I ran into, ran into, literally ran into this, this lady who wasn't dude. I'm not kidding. There's some, there's some goofy people up here. Wasn't wearing shoes and hiking on this rugged trail, dude. Like, no shoes and, and we had we had we were hiking into shed hunt <laughs> i'm just looking at it like oh like this lady is, is wearing no shoes and hiking around in here oh, like everybody's experiences like maybe this lady i just started thinking in my head you know maybe this lady's just their her whole experience she has in the diff in the mountains is just completely different from mine so trying to you know convince people what i'm doing is the right thing i mean she's not even wearing shoes up here so well no that's that's pretty hippie but like you say i can respect it everybody has their has their own experience in the mountains and and being shoeless she was into it Uh, i think that's way cool to each their own we can't all do the same thing or enjoy the same thing but she was up there uh what was the saying you used uh earlier when you said you were feeling the mountain or what was that like the oh yeah the yeah 
or was it vibing on the elk? I don't know, dude. Not the vibing on the elk, but something about feeling the mountain or something. But yeah, she was she was really in touch with the mountain up there. That's the uh, that's for sure. Is that the um that wasn't the same day you saw the topless lady, was it? Oh yeah, dude, same day. <laughs> it was an interesting day for us. Once once we got off the trail and started looking for sheds, it it calmed down. But it just it just went to show me that you know everybody everybody's experience and what they what they do is is different we're all different as people so it's just best to stay positive and represent what you do in the mountains in the most positive light because you know you got people running around you know without shoes and chicks taking off their shirts in the parking lot and <laughs> no, that's a really good point, though, Colton. It's just to um, try to understand where everybody's coming from. We expect people to understand, you know, our love for it and, and what we like to do in the mountains. And we got to be the same way with with other people, whether whether they're topless. I totally understand that. <laughs> whether they're shoeless or whatever it is, you know, they're they're getting their own experience in the mountain. And you have to try to understand where they're coming from and understand, you know, what they're getting out of it and, to have them understand why we love what we love so much and not everybody's going to get it and and it doesn't do any good you know arguing back and forth or stirring the pot or any but but there too like you you got to try to understand where other people are coming from and and the experience they're getting and and try to understand that as best as we can as hunters yeah and and you know if i run into someone back there and they have questions or they start talking to me like we ran into this group of ultra runners one time while we were scouting and i don't know how in the heck they got to where we were. We were pretty far from the trail, like miles, and they just come running up the side of the mountain. And I'm like, what on earth? And, uh, you know, we got them all lined out and where we were, and they were asking us what we were doing. And we explained to them, you know, that we were hunters, and they were a little bit, you know, weirded out at first. But the more we explained to them about, you know, the what we do and, and talked with them, they were just all about it. So I think as long – it's good to, you know, express to those – to every group, you know, what you're doing and explain it to them. And I think it's just better for hunting as a whole. Yeah, for sure. Especially when you can get those face to face encounters, you know, it's, it's one thing to get them to understand it through a social media post or something. But when you're face to face talking with somebody, you know, you just have this, you're able to pay attention better to people and, and a better understanding. But I'm the, I'm the same way. You, you meet people that aren't in the mountains for hunting and, and you just talk to them and explain what you're doing. And, and, and we do as, as hunters, we have such a respect for the animals and such an, a, a respect and a, a pre- appreciation appreciation for for the mountains and the wild places that we have and and we just want to portray that when we you know no matter who we run into or what we're posting or what we're doing you know we want to portray a, a positive light for hunting for sure yeah and you do an awesome job brian i'm just trying to keep up over here well, thanks a bunch, man. I, yeah, I'm just trying to keep up with you too. I, um, I really respect everything you do, Colt. I really like your post and, and how hard you work in the mountains. And I, I'm a huge fan of yours. So it's been really cool to have you on here. I'm going to check in again with you once we get into season and maybe we can lay down another one of these. I'm sure you have some, some big plans for the year. Um, have you drawn any tags yet? No tags drawn yet. I'll probably. You know, normally I only get a couple tags a year, but this year is going to be the first year I'm going out of state for big game. I'm going to maybe head up to Wyoming and hunt mule deer. So I'm pretty stoked. I'm going to maybe have two mule deer tags. I've been getting, getting more into that. And yeah, dude, we'll definitely, 
we'll definitely have to keep in touch and uh, maybe eventually, you know, go on a hunt together. That'd be sick. Oh, I would love to. Yep. Um, fly fishing, hunt. You, you betcha. We just gotta keep in keep in touch and and we'll put something together. So, um, you're thinking about going up to Wyoming? Are you gonna hunt them early with the bow or during the rifle season or both? Dude, I don't even know yet. I guess I guess it just depends on uh, on what I find during scouting. If I find a big buck, it's it might tear me away from the elk. It it might do it this year. That'll <laughs> that'll be the only way. Otherwise, yeah. I'm waiting for rifle season. Well, good for you. Yeah, it sounds like you're getting more and more hooked on mule deer, and you've hunted mule deer quite a bit, but your your real love and passion has been for elk, but um, sounds like some of this high country mule deer hunting that's like sheep hunting has started to be pretty appealing to you. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude, I, I yeah, I'm starting to really love that, and I, I, I kind of hunt them the same way in the, in the higher country with the rifle, and I'm, I'm probably going to plan a high country mule deer trip every year too like you're doing and do that during the the very start of the year and uh now that i have a little bit of a little bit of money that i can go to other states to hunt you know rifle just try to extend extend my little season as long as i can (laughs) yeah good for you that's awesome well yeah and um you're you're pretty close to arizona like uh maybe one of these years i have to stop and pick you up on the way down to coos country or something in it for a january hunt really extend that season out Oh, dude, I was actually thinking of doing that this year. So yeah, you better you better stop you better stop over here because right. I'm. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a it's a deal. We'll keep in touch, dude. Those coups are so much fun down there, and such a a fun time of the year. And go get in the heat down there. No, you'll really like it. So we'll keep in touch. Uh, get with me on that Wyoming hunt too. I've got quite a bit of experience there in Wyoming. Um, so I'd love to just give you a few starter spots or share a little information that I know about Wyoming too. Oh, sick, dude. Thank you. Yeah, no worries, man. Well, it's uh, it's really fun to talk to you, Colton. Thanks a bunch for being on, man. I I really respect everything you do. I really like your attitude towards hunting and your glass half full and and just your your outlook on things. I think it's really neat. So thanks again, man, for being on. Uh, follow Colton, uh, your elk pimp on Instagram. Is that right? Yep, the elk the elk pimp. <laughs> <laughs> you, well, dude, you run a really good page. I really enjoy your post. So um, keep up the good work. Let's keep in touch, man, and thanks again. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Brian. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Um, boy, just really fun conversation there with Colton. I just really enjoy talking to that guy. Um, he's just so crazy about the mountains and getting to the mountains. And, and even if he's not hunting, he's riding his mountain bike or he's hiking and keeping in shape and, and just a young guy that goes for it. It's, um, so funny we've got, uh, so we started saying send it, or maybe he's always said it. And I just picked it up over the last few months where I've been saying it. And, and, uh, so me and Colton, every time we text back and forth, you know, there's always a, a hashtag, uh, send it or hashtag full send it. So I've got a kick out of that talking with Colton, but he just, um, I just got a message yesterday morning, um, and he killed a, a giant chocolate. Well, his buddy killed it, but he was with him and, and they were hunting together and, and got this really really nice chocolate bear. So that was really fun to see. Um, Colton was jacked and, and, uh, they got the thing all packed out of there. Uh, he forgot his pack. And so he had to use this old pack frame. Um, but, but just a great guy and, and really fun getting to know him. And, and I'm going to keep in touch with him and put something together. Um, so this podcast is just so great for the people that I get to meet and, and interact with. And, in this long form conversation, you just really get to know, you know, where somebody stands and, and, uh, you know, how they think 
think about hunting and and uh, I really like his outlook on hunting and on life but um yeah I've been hunting bears like crazy I've had a buddy here in town and we've been chasing him pretty hard we saw a really big one last night and so we're just hoping he makes a mistake again uh we passed a blonde earlier this week had him in bow range um just wasn't quite there he was a young boar and just wasn't quite mature and and not quite what we were looking to put our tag on and so um we let him go but just got this this awesome epic picture of of clint there and the bear in the background all in the same frame so really cool to capture that picture and saw a couple grizzlies last night and and uh yeah starting to see quite a few of them i don't i'm at 22 or or 23 bears here for the season so starting to see quite a few of them it's turning on so just got to keep after it it's just you know, public land, bow and arrow, and then hunting for predators, it's just tough. There's just fewer of them out there. And so just got to keep putting in the days, keep putting in the evenings, and and it'll come together. I I got a couple weeks left to my season here before it closes down. So so hopefully get a chance at one. Um, Today's sponsor was Everly Stock Packs. So make sure to give them some love, guys. Uh, Great company, building great packs. And uh, then at at Eastman's, uh, make sure to check out that new elk issue that's coming out in, in uh, Eastman's Hunting Journal. And I uh, got that new article in there I'm really proud of. So um, check out that and let me know what you guys think. Um, so with that, uh, boy, I'm just going to keep after it here and, and getting out evenings whenever I can and, and uh, just enjoy it. The nice springtime weather is finally here. It's like 70 degrees, although I do hear snows in the forecast here in a couple days. So going to have a big front coming in, but hopefully that'll create some bear movement and, and uh, start seeing a few more and it'll go off here. Um, so yeah, just going to keep enjoying life. Thanks as always, guys, for all the support. Eastman's Elevated uh you know with the social media pages and and then um make sure you subscribe to itunes you know so you get every get every recording here we do and and uh just going to keep working hard to put out good content a lot of good guests colton was a great guest and and a lot of good ones coming up that i've already recorded and just always trying to look for that that next guest where we can share next level hunting tactics for for you guys out west so as always thanks a bunch guys for the support and uh check in on you next week